Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. I was trying to end it with that. Dude, can you do it one more time? I want, I want a clean one. Can you do it again? I think Sean should do it. I think Owen no, Wilson should do it. No, no, I, I want Chris to do it. I want you to do your, your impression. Because <laughs> it was so good? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> I don't know who that was. <laughs> Do you have something stuck in your mouth? Like, what, what happens? It's like you're holding on to the yeah, You've got, like, a lollipop in your mouth at the same time. Hey, welcome to Story, the podcast where we take one form of media and translate it into another. This episode, we're going to be taking the first three Die Hard movies, and we're going to be changing them and transforming them into uh, three seasons of a television show. So we're going to take each uh, movie and sort of translate it into one season of the Die Hard television show. Um, so yeah, so I think first off, we should probably uh, kind of decide that you know, are we gonna are we gonna essentially redo uh, the same villain, right? Like. If we're going to do this nowadays, like, who's going to play John McClane? Oh, man. And uh, who's going to play Hans Joseph Gruber? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> yeah. You can play Hans Gruber. Um, well, it's, it's, as you were saying that, like, um, we could do something that's like, I haven't seen the Lethal Weapon TV show, so I'm not going to go there. But, like, the Fargo, like, the Fargo series basically takes the same basic premise and, like, ideas and tone and then, but they don't use the same characters and stuff, you know. And it's true. I don't think we're going to sort of like step that, might be, that far but, away from the from the source material. I'm assuming I, I, there's still going to be know. like Nakatomi Tower in season one, and like you know, we I, you know we talked about this very briefly before the podcast started, but like you know, I assume that we'll expand upon each se- each movie. Like I don't think the second season would take place entirely at an airport, uh, so we'd have to like you know add in a lot of content to each to sort of fill out each season. So it doesn't have to be exactly like minute to minute beat to beat like twist to twist like all exact same but we should probably keep the the basic framework the same yeah so totally it's just i was just trying to think of a comp that know, like might help season... us like it, it, we could free it up a little bit sorry <clears throat> that's okay so season one i think basically starts with you know like john and holly on the skids and uh and, you know, you get to see how it affects their kids, you know, <laughs> like in the yeah, first. Oh, yeah. We age their kids up a little bit. Um, so it's like a Mad Men. The show, the kids. Yeah, the characters. Yeah, their characters on the show. Like we see, like later on in the season, we see from their perspective, like watching the news and seeing what's going on at Nakatomi Plaza. Right. Um, and that their parents are in danger, you know. So uh, the 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 touchstone, and I, I said this before we, again we, before we started, but the touchstone for me on this one is twenty four, right? Or like, I feel like because this this event is so, this one event is what the whole season is sort of predicated around that it it should at least this season should take place like an, a twenty four episode twenty four, where it's just the whole thing takes place in one twenty four hour block, or like it's all sort of real time and it isn't doesn't take place over weeks or months because like a terrorist holdout that lasts that long would be pretty much impossible to believe right so i feel like it's it's you know each episode is exactly one hour you know after the last episode and all the events are taking place kind of in real time right we could do that i mean like you could have where like the audience has dramatic irony throughout the first episode like and and uh and knows that they're watching a diehard show and you could start it with like you see like al 
you know, and his wife, his pregnant wife, like hanging out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, basically, we end the first episode with them getting to the getting everybody getting to the to the tower. Okay. Right. To set the season up or something, and like you see what you see what Hans is doing in the meantime. You see him on a plane, you know, flying in. Uh, you see them getting prepped. So the uh, whole know. episode is just like set up and sort of the anticipation of what's going to happen for the rest of the season. Okay. I yeah. Can like what else they did? Like what else did they do to set this to set this up for themselves? Like did they kill anyone on the way? Did they uh, terrorists? I mean, did they did they kill anyone on the way? Did they did they go buy a chainsaw? Yeah, it's really important to figure out the the origin story of that chainsaw. (laughs) I always was wondering where it came from when I watched the movie. Yeah, it is very important. You guys are talking, (laughs) but you guys are talking about though. It's, and I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that we don't don't have to go that way, but you know, I think we. It depends on how faithful we want to be, and like what we want to preserve, and how we want to what we want to change, what we want to do with it, because like that's. That's why I kind of brought up Fargo, because it kind of takes just some of the same basic elements and kind of, like, throws them on its head, you know, and mm. you know, spoiler alert for the first season of Fargo and the movie, but, like, you know, the guys, they kind of take William H. Macy's character from the movie and give it to Martin Freeman um, in this show, but, like, his wife dies in, like, the first episode. So it's, like, the same basic kind of predicament, you know? Like, a guy who kind of wants his wife dead. Um and then you just kind of like you're kind of freed up to not not completely replicate it and not completely be that faithful to it. So just throwing yeah. it out there that like that you could move in that direction. I do remember. I mean, like Fargo. Um, I think it, it, like the, I remember like watching the first episode is, is, is kind of interesting because you you th- think you know where the whole season is going to go and it's kind of like oh, I'm I'm on board for this. This is well done. And then it just completely changes that at the end of the first episode. It's like, holy really? yeah. shit. Yeah, like, I haven't this watched is not, it, so it doesn't, it doesn't stick just, to that at all? No, it's not. It kind of like think, makes you think they're redoing the movie, kind of. And then it totally, like, it's like, nope, that's not what's happening at all here. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about doing that at but all. It's, it is interesting. It's way more interesting because of that, I think. So the twist and in this R1 here. is that they're actually he, they actually are freedom fighters and they aren't exceptional thieves and there's a larger uh, a terrorist group that they're a part of that we then explore in seasons two and three especially in three is that what you're saying exactly yeah I mean like that was just goose aside though like that that is the kind of thing where you'd want to expand on the world in a way that you know makes sense and and allows for the seasons to sort of be sort of tie together you know the way that like the wire seasons are pretty much distinct but they there is like a larger thing that they tap into you know like the dock worker guys in season two aren't super super connected to season one but they you know they bring the drugs in for the greek and the Greek's the one who supplies the drugs to the the street guys on in season one so there, there is a connection there's a, a, a sort of a description of a larger world um and we'd probably want to sort of expand the diehard world to allow for that kind of thing right oh man you know yeah. what you could do is uh like so Hans's brother, um, Jeremy Irons. Uh, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. What is Simon. his character's name? Si- it, well, he's Simon. Is that what he, he calls himself? That. But that's not actually his name, right? No, it's his real name. It is. He calls his, his name's his, like Simon Gruber. Is it Simon? It definitely Gruber? is. Okay, fine. His, his name he is. He calls himself like Peter Krauss or something, and then they find yeah, out. Holy like, shit! You're right. His name Simon. is Simon Gruber. Simon Peter Gruber. Yeah. Good I just boy. watched it on Friday night. Okay. All right. You got me. So, Die Hard, yeah. Die Hard <laughs> Wiki agrees. 
But like we see, like we can see, like their relationship and how they're both how they both became terrorists. But uh, like like um, Hans went the way of like he wanted to he 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 stopped do, doing it for a cause, you know, and then went went to get money. And Simon was still hanging out like doing the cause business for a while, and then he realized that this is bullshit. Some, somewhere in season two, and then he does it in season three. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could you could definitely play with that, like where that's happening on the side the whole time. Yeah, that's cool. I like the idea. Uh, well, I mean, Simon's still kind of, and Chris, you can correct me because you saw it more recently, obviously. But like Simon, I feel like even at the end when he, you, they reveal that they didn't blow the money up at all, that they have kept it just like the, the same sort of like, aha, we are actually thieves, like in, in, in the first movie. He still is using it to like effectively his his plan is like buy a country i guess for his like him and his compatriots like it isn't entirely selfish and and the way that hans's thievery is i feel like he still has like a camaraderie with his fellow you know paramilitary guys and they're trying to like make a life for themselves somehow even though it's the shitty terrorist version of that right chris am i wrong in that or or yeah he's there's a line about it but it's like they do a fun job of like they do kind of go back and forth like you th- for a while, you think it's like just a revenge thing against John, and then you realize that they're actually just stealing the gold, and then you realize that they're going to sink the gold because yeah. that's what the terrorist groups wanted to do. But then he keeps it, so it's kind of they don't they don't really like he he like tells his group of men that that's what he's going to do, but then immediately it goes and like there's this weird like unspoken interaction between him and the, and the girl and they go and have sex. He's not really trustworthy. That's my point. Like it's not, you don't really get a clear sense of what he was trying to do or, or which way he was heading with it. Hmm. I do like the idea though of, of the younger brother who splits off like idealistically from his more, like if we, if we were to change things and, and like if Simon stayed somewhat, you know, attached to his cause and then Hans just kind of broke away, but took all the skills that he had learned to sort of like make a, just become a thief. I think that's, that is an interesting dynamic to explore over those seasons for sure. Yeah. I mean, you could build the first season to that split and then you don't, you don't see Simon again until like season two. Right. Like that, that feels like, like definitely feels like television, like current television where they sort of introduce a, an interesting sort of shadowy guy. And then you sort of forget about him for a full season and he comes back. So like roaring back on the stage in third season or fourth season. Yeah, you start seeing, you know, yeah. on, on the TV show, too, you start seeing, like, parallels between, like, John and uh, Hans, you know? <laughs> like, oh, man. Uh, he's also got a wife, and they, they split up, and, like, they could have been buddies in, a, in another life, but they didn't talk about any of that <laughs> shit later. You were a murderer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know if that's good or not, but, like, there, there's just some interesting stuff you could you could get away with on a TV show, where it's, like, the first three or four episodes are probably about set up for like John and Holly, um, you know, her, her, her going away with the kids and how that affects him and all the New York cops that you're going to then later see in the third season, uh, that them going out drinking and shit and, and right. dealing with it. And then like somebody encouraging him to go out there for Christmas cause she invited him and like the fact that they still love each other and like the kids having a hard time with that on the West coast. Like all that stuff makes for some pretty interesting TV just by itself, right? Like, and meanwhile, John's like drunkenly busting scumbags, and like his his commander's giving him a bunch of bullshit about uh, like you got to stop beating the shit out of these guys. You know, your wife's yeah. not coming back. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he's like taking out all his rage on his like perps. Yeah, and then and he's like he's the one who says like you should go out there, man. Like just get the fuck out of here because you're you're becoming an asshole. Um, 
I mean, I think that'd be a good scene to start the series on is like John just on like a regular bus to like in New York. That way, like you could have your, cause tonally and like property wise, you'd want like a big action set piece. Like yeah, I was going to say the same and thing. If we are stretched, if we're stretching out the, the whole conflict at the tower, you know, you you need a set piece for that. And that'd be a good way to get it and kind of get some of that stuff you're just talking about out, like where John's pissed off and, you know, like not, like his marriage life is affecting his his job, you know. I really, um, I love the idea. And you're kind of, of conflicted about it. Yeah, I love the idea of um, his. The reason he goes out to see her is it's Christmas time, but also he's effectively put on like not. Uh, he's he's on like like you know what do they call it like a suspension without leave, like with on leave like his 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 you know boss is like listen you need to take a break. We're putting you on, you know, suspension or whatever. And you just take some time to figure your shit out, man. Like go see your wife who figure your shit out. Cause you can't, otherwise we're going to have to fire you. And it's, it's, it's like, it's partially to go see his wife, but it's partially because he has been ordered to do it. And I think that's like an interesting place to start him where he wouldn't naturally just like gravitate back towards her and like into a place where he would apologize to her unless he was pushed there by his job. Right. Cause he's like beginning of the first movie. He's so, he keeps harping on like I can't just like leave my job. I have all this work to do, and my, like I, you know. So the fact that his job is more important than her, which is obviously why he didn't follow her to California, being the thing that pushes her there, pushes him there. That's set up in the first episode. Like they argue about that before she tells him she's leaving, right? Like, right. And then she's already made the decision, but she has she doesn't mention it. You know, maybe even into the second episode. Like you could you could, you know. Like that's interesting tension. Like you know, because you're following Holly. She's a character on the show. Like, you know, maybe the first scene in the whole series is her getting the promotion. Yeah. And then sitting in the car, not wanting to go in the house, and you know, wondering if she's going to tell him, and oh, she doesn't cool. tell him. It's just like the the the, uh, the letter from Nakatomi. That's like, uh, you know, congratulations on your on your promotion or your job or whatever. And she just sits there not knowing what to do with it. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think you you know if we're gonna if we're gonna tease it out, like the, the nice thing with that first movie is that like despite the fact that it's ridiculous, it's so grounded. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's ev- yeah. everything is so grounded in like a, a person having to go through this ordeal. It's not like about you know it's not it's not a it's about him him being a nor- ordinary guy in an extraordinary situation, and the movies increasingly forget about that. You know. As, as they go along, I think. Um, but, like... They kind of brought it back in a three, well, like, in two, it totally forgets about it, and then in three, it's... It's fun, like, when you meet him, like, when you come, he's, like, hung over... He's, like, hung over the whole movie. And, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, literally, he's complaining about it the entire movie, and he's, like, Holly's not even in it, and he's, like, they, you find him, and he's, like, kind of washed up. Like, the second one, they totally glorify him as, like, this, like, hero cop... And then the third one, he's just been, like, drunk, and he's almost been fired, and, like, Holly left him, basically. He hasn't talked to her for a year. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, he had moved to L.A., um, and then in the third one, like, he's back in New York, and they never explain why, which is which is what, with that, the first one and the third one, like, they don't, and I was trying to dig into, like, Hans' motivation, too, but they don't give you any more than you need for the movie to work, but it's, like, just enough in, like, a good way. You know, it's, like... The movie starts and like Holly's already gone. Like he's going to visit her, and they never, they never say why he left, right? Like you just know it was because he didn't want to leave his job. I mean, they they say it pretty explicitly later in the movie, but you don't need that information to to sort of piece it together. 
Yeah, I mean up front, like you just get a sense of what the pick their 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 their, their relationship is like. Like right. the say their, their relationship. I, you know, those movies. T- to your point, Sean, like they they are so dense with character stuff that's just implied. Uh, because you can't fit in a you know a two hour movie, and there are scenes of it, like there is like the dialogue when he's in the room with her right before the, the heist actually begins, and there's some there's some really good moments where like he's in the, the the bathroom, he's like he's pulling glass out of his feet, and he's like telling Al to apologize to her, and all like there's some really good moments of actual character yeah. stuff. I mean, there's characters all over the movie, but they, it's it's so densely packed with just Im- implication that we could totally tease that out into actual moments and actual scenes with the characters during the heist, before the heist, even after the heist, really. Um, because them, like, reconciling at the end of season one, uh, having problems in season two, and then eventually just, like, it just never works out in season three, it, it, that feels very... It feels very grounded. It feels very real. And it, it also sort of matches the sort of, like, loads, you know, the, the cultural touchstones that I, I think of when I think of that kind of television. Well, it's also, it's there, right? It's there in the story. I mean, they, like, the nice thing about it is it is pretty consistent. Like, right. the first movie, you know, they're, they're, they're estranged, but they're not broken up. They get back together because they go through an extraordinary event and realize they love each other and it's worth whatever to be together, right? And then the second one is basically just that again. Um, <laughs> that right. exact same story. I mean, like, the whole the second movie is, the whole idea behind that movie was like, okay, what if... The exact same shit happens yeah, I know, in God. a different way, and then their, their, their relationship is different. It like is, they're, yeah, they're but like really, terms. really slightly. But what I mean is like the, no, they're like, on good terms. I, I know, but what I mean is like the um, the fact that like she's in peril, and his yeah. uh, his goal is mainly driven by the fact that she's in peril. Again, you know what I mean? It's it's really it's ridiculous that she's in peril, but it's not. And then, yeah, and he's there and at the right time. It's got less weight. Yeah, it's got less weight because they're on good terms. Like it's like you want them to reconcile, like in the first one, or you know what I mean. Like you know that it means something to him, and then he he can have that line where he says, you know, tell her I'm sorry because he thinks he's going to die. But right. in the second one, like, it doesn't. It's she's only in peril, so it's like way less investing. But she has more to do in the second one, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's on stuck on the plane with the reporter from the first one. <laughs> exactly. It's so stupid. <laughs> How do we get this guy back in? It's like they had a checklist, and they were just like, "All right." Everybody loved when she punched him in the face. Let's just put him in a room so together. And let's see what how, how, how do we do that? Yeah, how do we just milk that for all it's worth? I am definitely. No, interested. What does she do this time? That's worse. She kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But she literally tases exactly, him yeah. in the fucking oh, bathroom really? of the plane. Yeah, oh, she like man. opens the door and tases yeah. him like on live TV. <laughs> He's on live TV again when it happens too, which is another ridiculous thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's literally, just they just took like moment from moment, shot to shot of the same fucking movie. Well, that's the whole gag. The whole movie was like predicated on like he even says like, "How does the same shit happen to the same guy twice?" Yeah, is it also movie. Christmas? In the, it's in also the Christmas. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, it is. Is it exactly yeah. one year later? I don't remember if they say or not. Um, I, I moving this into like seasons. It's definitely interesting because we can have a lot more of growth from Holly's character in, you know, through through season one into season two, right? Because in the first movie, she's actually very involved, and she's like the mouthpiece. Once once the boss is killed in the in the computer room in his office, then like she becomes the sort of de facto head of the of the people that are the hostages 
and uh, she goes and like makes demands to Hans, and she's very like you know she's she's pretty empowered as far as you know, it, but still a damsel, unfortunately. But in the second movie, having her be much more in control of her situation while she like while John's doing his thing, she's doing her thing, uh, and you know they either they work together somehow or they kind of get in each other's way even. Um, and just having her like evolve over through season one, through the experience that she's had in season one into season two, uh, being a much more sort of like proactive character, I think would be an interesting sort of arc for her. I mean, I mean it matches the movies, but just sort of like pulling that, teasing that out a little bit. Well, what I was getting at though, was like, there's a, it's all fleshed out. Like we're fleshing out something that's basically already there. Like, so right. like you have the first movie, the second movie, um, you know, they, they basically go through that again and they're, and they're, they're, their marriage is stronger than ever. And then we get to dramatize what happened after that, you know, like to get to the point where they're divorced again. Right. Interesting. Like that's, that's kind of something that's cool to, to deal with Yeah. Um, on the show. Like you get, that's already sort of built into the narrative. He moves to LA and like, there might be, I don't know, it's just like coming to mind quickly. But, like, if he was L.A. and his, his job is a little more kind of cushy, and he's got, you know, after the events of the, the I can never remember the name. Is it Nakitoma? Yeah, Nakitoma. How do you say it? Nakitoma, you just watch these movies, Chris. Um, Come on. I know, and I'm an idiot. Um, but uh, he gets, maybe he can move to L.A. and then, like, the events of the airport. Because in the second one, if we're going to follow the same exact kind of, like, circumstances, they're in D.C., actually. Um, and then... They're like going to like John's in-laws, Holly's mom's for God, Christmas. Amazing! God. And the kids are like the kids are like already there. The first scene is he's he gets his mom mother-in-law's car towed, like from the airport, like he left <laughs> it outside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the whole that? movie. Yeah. And Dennis Franz. And then, uh, yeah, just Dennis Franz. And at the end of the movie, at the end of the movie, it's so stupid. He's like, "I'm gonna forgive that parking ticket." Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> that's just like that's, big emotion that's, like, when he gets... He literally yeah, rips it in half. Yeah. He like oh holds God. it up and he's like, uh, "Eh, it's Christmas <laughs> or something like that." Yeah. Oh, it's real crazy. fucking like generous yes. of you. Yeah, I know you just got bl- blown up in an airplane. So, but anyway, I um, got you. Don't worry. If he, yeah, thanks, thanks, bud. <laughs> if that if we follow that kind of those kind of circumstances again, like if it is some time between the seasons. You know, like, the event of the airport could, like, make John realize that he wanted to go... Like, he misses the action of, that he had in New York or whatever. You know what I mean? So you could well, kind of, like... I was thinking um, earlier tra- that, like... Trace the push and pull. You you could... I think there's a thread in this whole thing where, like, after the events of the first season... Because they kind of allude to it. Like, people know it was him because he was the famous guy. You know? Like, that yeah. a little bit of celebrity that he had... Um could be it could be interesting to sort of tease that out as a thread you know it's like where it's it gets to him and he doesn't like it because he wouldn't like it that character would hate would hate that and that also yeah is exacerbated by the fact that he's in la you know what i mean like it's made worse by like oh shit like everybody like david letterman's calling or whoever you know if it's jimmy kimmel these days whatever it would be but like like he he there's like second season literally opens with like him on one of those shows talking about it and just being extremely uncomfortable and it's like super fucking awkward and weird and like he hates that you know and like he wants to get away from it so there's a reason for them to sort of have a little bit of tension already you know and that can get forgotten once the plane stuff happens but 
Yeah, I was actually going to ask if it's more interesting to have their marriage be stronger or if it's like they're, you know, they, they survived a harrowing event together and they realize that they love each other. But season two is much more like they're working on it. They're in therapy together. Like it's still kind of like they, they love each other and they're really trying to make it work. But it's not just an instant turnaround, right? Like, there's a lot of work to be done. And maybe we can see over the course of the season, like, they're actually, you know, succeeding in it or failing, whatever, you know, makes more sense in the moment over the season. But I feel like that might be more real to to those characters. Like, they, they at the end of season one, they say, okay, yes, we shouldn't split apart. That's stupid. Let's, let's, let's try. Let's at least put the work in um, and try and make this work. And it isn't just like an overnight, like, oh, our marriage is so much stronger because of one singular night or one singular event. It, this is much more of a long thing that we're working on. And like once the like endorphins wear off, it's, they realize that it's still a shitload of work to do. And um, and having them like, you know, I see like interesting conversations with them like over the phone to each other where they're like parroting what the therapist told them to do like over the phone while they're talking about like this fucking like she's stuck on the plane and she gets to call him or something or, or or you know before the event happens and they're sort of talking about like well our therapist said we need to do these things and the therapist always says you do this thing and they kind of get into a weird fight uh while they're while this other stuff's going on i i don't know i feel like that that feels more true to those characters i think it's like we would be missing the trick if you're gonna if you're gonna have a tv show and you're gonna fill that fill that time like you really do want to i think expand on that and make it more subtle and more nuanced than it would otherwise be in like a film. Right. And like one of the things I was just thinking is like, you were making me think that, uh, I, I don't know if you've watched halt and catch fire. No, no, almost nobody has, but it's really, really great. And, um, but I don't want to spoil anything with the series finale of the show. Um, this, the, the episode that happened prior to that, I thought when I was watching it, I was like, like, what are they going to talk about in the next episode? Like, I have no idea. Like, it felt like it was over, you know? Um, but that last episode was basically just sort of an episode that was following, like, the major events of the, se- the series and the season that f- thus far. And it it kind of wrapped everything up in a... Um, it was more of a sort of... Sp- the characters kind of going through what just happened and talking about it and dealing with it and then looking to the future and other things that were going on. And, um, it just, it made for a really riveting sort of hour of just character TV, you know, like, and in a way that I wasn't expecting, um, and you could do something like that. Like, Like this is a major thing that just happened, especially if it just happened to them again. Right. Like it'd be interesting to see them sort of unpack that and what it means to their relationship and what it means to them and and um, I don't know. And John and John and John racked with guilt for having killed forty five people in, this, <laughs> in the second movie. <laughs> Wait, so how does he remind me? Because I don't I don't remember the second movie as well. He's like he like shoots a bazooka and blows up the plane or some shit. Like I feel like that that's a scene or did I invent that? No, in my head? he like he like gets on the plane. He doesn't. He like. Go ahead, Chris. It's even worse than that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or not worse, but like he he gets on the wing of the plane and uh, they still come out and he like shoves his jacket in like some flap on the wing so that the plane can't take off, and then they realize he's out there and they go out and they fight him. Like for some reason, too, the main bad guy has a machine gun aimed at him the entire time, while another guy fights him. They never yeah, shoot him. Yeah, he doesn't shoot him. <laughs> I mean, it's he, not like he's in yeah, the way. Yeah, he takes. 
He takes, yeah, and then, well, not only that, but he takes out the guy who's fighting him, like the first guy, and then the guy throws down the machine gun and walks out into the plane and fights him. He never once, he might shoot at him for, like, a second, but, like, he's, like, it's really bizarre. But then he fights that guy, and that guy kicks his ass, because he's, like, a paramilitary guy. And uh, John, like, is hanging onto the edge, and he sees uh, the flap that says dump fuel, (laughs) and he, like, grabs it as he's falling off the edge. And it, like, flows behind them, and then he takes out, and it, like, sprays gas, like a trail of gasoline. And then John takes out his cigarette lighter and lights that gasoline on fire, and it follows them, the plane into the air and explodes the plane. Holy shit. And that's how he takes it out. So it is absolutely who, ridiculous. Are, are there people, are there, like, innocent people? The innocent people can't still be on the plane, right? Like, the innocent people have been, like, No, this is, like, this is, like, uh, the terrorists finally got their private jet. Like, got it's it. only terrorists on the plane. That's amazing. So we have to keep that. Yeah. It's I definitely get the feeling that John McClane would be the kind of man who would who would feel super shitty every time he kills somebody, right? Like, in, at least in the first movie, he, like, every single time he actually shoots and kills someone, he gives them a shitload of chances to, like, give up first. Like, he never goes into a room and just sprays it with bullets. You know what I mean? Like, it's usually self-defense or... Uh, uh, some of the deaths are like accidents, like the dude who fall, like like just breaks his neck rolling down the the staircase. That's the first guy, the first guy. Yeah, kills. yeah. The, like uh, I have a machine gun now, ho ho ho, guy. Like he very very yeah. rarely just goes. He does not like. That's why I like the John McClane as a character. Like even though he keeps he goes as like the Roy Rogers cowboy persona, he's really not that. He's not like meathead action hero guy he, like you said earlier sean like he is very much just like an ordinary guy in an extraordinary circumstance which is what i guess you know the whole movie the first movie is about but he doesn't he doesn't even fulfill the movie role of like big buff like stallone-esque action figure um and he I fucks up that, a lot yeah he, exactly and he gives people chances and he's like really smart too but the all the shitty things that happen in the first movie are because nobody listens to him right like the FBI guys, like, they tell him that, that he calls the cops, he calls the fire department, nobody takes him seriously. Uh, and so, like, if they just listened to him, things would have gone way smoother. Uh, so he's not, like, big buff dude who can just, just a meat shield who can just be shot a bunch of times. Like, he runs across glass and almost bleeds to death. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the stereotypical action hero. And I find that really cool and, 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 and endearing about that character, which is stuff they kind of lose over the over the course of the next few movies, because they just kind of don't put that much time into that, into looking into that, but the idea that he would just be fucked up after killing all these people, I, I totally believe that, like, totally buy that he would have these, these horrible these horrible, like, dreams and nightmares and flashbacks about, like, just blowing up a bunch of people. Even in the moment, it's fucking ridiculous, but, like, it, it's a really, for, I feel like for that character, it would be a real traumatic experience. It's funny. There's a there's definitely something to the idea that like he's seeing shit. He thinks he's seeing shit at the airport when it first starts happening because he's like this, this shit can't be happening again. Like where he's like he's got a little bit bit of like post traumatic stress. You know what I mean? Like where he he actually um, doesn't think he's uh, like he doesn't think it's real at first. Because like in the in the movie as it is in Die Hard two, he essentially as he gets to the airport he. He sees um, everything that's going on and, like, immediately investigates it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like everything's uh, suspicious to him? Yeah, yeah. It could be cool to have, have him get over that hump. And they do, they, do, they do it in the dumb way. Like, what you're talking about where he's... It'd be fun if he's kind of thinks he's being paranoid, but he is yeah. actually seeing stuff. 
You know what I mean? Like, and it takes a long, long time for him to get over his own reservations of like, nah, I'm just fucked up from God. He's like, I got my last LA. day of therapy today. Oh, I'm finally cured. And then he goes to the airport. <laughs> no, but that's, but that's basically what they do in the second one. Is like he's right and he knows he's right from the beginning. But and then they have the dumb cops being like, ah, oh, you fucking. Not everything's not Katomi Plaza, McLean. Like they say, like every three <laughs> seconds. You know what I mean? like, That's really good. No, it would really be much like better if he was like if he if he was his own antagonism. Like he was like like this. Like he did see something, but he's like he almost doesn't want to admit it. You know what I mean? Or he thinks he's just being paranoid. Or he's like he's scaring himself by even considering it. I, yeah, I it's, it's like instead of like uh, instead of how could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? It's like how could the same shit happen to the same guy twice? You know, like, yeah. it's not yeah, it's just a totally different feeling. It's totally, like, unbelievable. Yeah, like, the idea that he would, you know, in the in the space between the seasons have become, have to wrestle his own paranoia. And maybe that's something that, like, strains his marriage with Holly. It's just, like, he's always, he's, like, hyper-protective of her. Um, and, like, won't let her go out of the house without, like, telling her him exactly where she's going and stuff. And it's becoming kind of smothering for her. And he just, he just cannot get over like he's just be trying to be hyper aware of everything around him. Like he's just checking everybody out, checking all the corners. Like anytime he sees something suspicious, he like checks it out and ends up being nothing. Right. And then he's like, Holly's like, you know, John, you have to fucking get over this. You have to let it, let it go. And, and then he goes to the airport and that shit exact, that exact shit happens again. Yeah. Oh man. That's almost a better joke than the joke that they went with, which is, yeah, it's very flippant, you know? Right, um, and it he, kind of, he he might as well, in the one in the movie, he might as well look at the camera. Yeah, say, literally. I mean, it's <laughs> such a it's winky super, movie. It's super winky. Yeah, yeah. Um, man. Uh, okay. Oh, you know what? The best thing, Harrison, if you don't remember Die Hard Two, I, I I'm just going to tack this on because the best thing is that uh, the 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 fire light, the fire that like blows the plane up, the trail of fire, uh, then becomes the landing lights. That the planes Holy can use shit. to land. <laughs> oh my god! Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Fuck no, it does not. That's bullshit. That's uh, a yeah, real. Definitely does. Oh my god! All I remember about that movie is like the paramilitary dude in a room, in a dimly lit room, a smoky room, like doing like naked squats and shit. <laughs> that's the, that's the first like, like second scene. Yeah, that's like the yeah. one like like image that's been seared into my brain about that movie is the, is that horrifying, unnecessary, sweaty like push ups and pull ups naked guy. <laughs> well, you know the disappointing thing to me is that like when he comes out on the plane to fight uh, McLean later in the movie, he doesn't get naked first. I yeah, was he just really that's how he fights. Yeah, he just it's like a psychological like, thing. I am the best warrior. I must fight naked to prove God. myself. Yeah, uh, I yeah. don't know how they would have gotten that past the censors, but also he good. is a character in the season two that I would fucking love to uh, get to know a little better. Yeah, like it's just like the, it's the season two. That? Well, no, here's the thing: why is he get naked? More naked scenes. <laughs> also, totally. yeah. Look, so seriously though, season two starting with like him. Uh, like, the first time you see him in season two, like, doing naked Tai Chi or whatever, and then, like, his, like, girlfriend coming in and going, what, again? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> get out of here, Stacy. Like, he's like, fuck you, bitch. And then he goes to meet the guy that they're going to later, like, fake, or, like, the, you know, the fake uh, the fake task squad that gets brought in to take him down. Like, they meet at a bar and they just talk about how much his girlfriend sucks because she's not into naked Tai Chi. <laughs> I've been trying to get in her naked Tai Chi for like six months, man. I don't know if it's going to work out. 
He's like, just dump her, man. She comes in. She's like, we at least... We at least close the blinds. Come on. <laughs> God, the room just looks out into the living room. Like, this is like a weird window that, like, like a space between the two. And she's like, like, God, like, I have company over, man. Like, can you just not, like, for just one day, just not do that? I, I like the idea of them having, like, real conversations. Like, oh, he's a terrorist, but he's, like, I can empathize with him because he's got relationship troubles. Like, that's, it's very good. Oh, man. Die hard, too. Die harder. We, we haven't really talked too much about season one. We, we covered season two, I think, but we need to talk about season three and how we go from season two to season three. Yeah, well, season, so... Season three we, is like, the movie is kind of best... That movie is kind of best suited for week to week, I think. Yeah. Like that yeah, kind yeah. of thing where they're driving around New York, you know? That's yeah, it has, definitely has, out, a, right? has a, like, a true crime. Like, we got to figure out who this guy is who's, like, doing all this weird, like, puzzles, leaving, like, clues and riddles and shut around the city and, like, causing mayhem. Uh, and his, his plan, him enacting his plan actually takes a pretty long time. Like, when the, once all the pieces lock together and he actually, like, hits the go button on his plan, it's been very clearly set. Like, he plants the, like, fake bomb in the school. Like, there's a whole bunch of setup that we just don't see that we could see happening over, like, weeks between season one season or season two and season three. And I think, like, a question that arises from that is, like, when are we setting this? Because if that's, if it's now, like, that, any of the stuff that he did in season three would be way harder to do these days because of technology and stuff. So I don't know if that's something worth digging into. No, like it just means we, we have to come up with solutions to those it. problems. I mean, I think it's all solvable, right? Yeah, I think, but, it, you know, every other TV show that's contemporary can, can do it. Well, that's the interesting thing but about it. it. Like, if it's contemporary, yeah, it's, I mean, it's contemporary, right? Like, and, and I think if we did that, then then it becomes more interesting to try and sh- sh- like dramatize how it happens. Yeah, I agree. You know? Yeah. Um, because, it, yeah, it, it would be more difficult, and there would be a lot more uh, going on that we could dramatize. Um, and I think, uh, like, it also allows for the, like, having a television time frame. Like, part of the appeal of the third movie is, like, he's got a, it's, it's, you know, it's just basically a long sprint. Like, everything, once it starts rolling, it just goes, you know? Right. But it's it, it's yeah. also it'd be interesting to do something different with the third season to make that more of a slow burn, so that it builds mm-hmm. over the course of the season rather than it being like, you know, just go 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 everything's happening now, um, and like how like the effect that that takes on them like dealing with it for over a long period of time you know, it's almost more like Zodiac yeah. than uh, than the movie. Yeah, kind of like um. I'm trying to think. Of, I mean, this isn't the exact thing, but like season season four of Breaking Bad, where it was like this like chess game between Walt and Gus. You know what I mean? Like it kind of had this like it was still tense as hell, but it had this like uh, drawn out sort of like Cold War pacing to it. If yeah. that makes sense, like it had the big scenes, but it was all it was more about building suspense and when stuff was going to happen, and kind of like yeah, exactly. exactly is that kind yeah. of more in line with what you're talking about? Yeah. Like more setups uh, that 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 don't pay off for a while. You know, you get you get yeah. like something set up in season or episode two or three that you don't see until episode eight. You know, and then you may even be able to do something with it, like the way they did with Fargo. Like it's you think it's the bomb in the school. You know, like like we've seen the movies. You think it's the bomb in the school, but it's actually something to do with getting into Fort Knox or whatever. Do you know right. what I mean? Like we play with your expectations as as an informed viewer of a 
past version of this thing. Yeah, well, I think that, that that's what I was trying to get at with the dramatic irony thing. It's like I feel like you could play with that a little bit on the show and, and it would be okay. Yeah. Oh, you mean like like setting up an expectation and then pay, like swerving because the people expect it because they've seen the movie kind of thing? Yeah, I and mean, then Fargo does that too. Like We were talking about Fargo earlier, but like it, that show does do that um, where – you know, you're you see sort of something that's like an echo of something you've seen in a Cohen movie, uh, and they don't they don't just reference Fargo on the show either. They reference other Cohen movies as well. Oh, interesting. And um, it's kind of interesting because you know it's something you've seen before, but it's different, so it feels different. Like there's even like the bowling alley shit from The Big Lebowski is in Fargo season three. Oh wow, kind of. Kind of, you know, it's totally yeah, like they're different. talking to the cowboy. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. But it's there. I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, they they just kind of grab whatever they find is interesting for what they're the story they're trying to tell, and they put it in there. And I think that you know, we could do similar things. Like you could do an, uh, a scene where, um, you know, the subway uh, subway bomb right that goes off like right when they get there because they weren't supposed to make it. Uh, like that one could be one that, that just was just a joke. You know, and they get yeah. all the way across the city, and like it doesn't go off. Um, but he just made them run across the city, and like that's a small thing, but it would be you know people would expect it to go off, but then it would have to lead you somewhere do, else. You know, you could do something. You could play with it in a fun way too, where you see the terrorists go to the school the first time, and you think it's because they're scoping it off of the bombs or something, and then like they like walk up to a classroom door and like wave into the window and you see that like their kid is in there. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that might be, that's a bad version Little of Gruber it. Little Gruber Jr. Probably, but like, is in like a, a, a New York <laughs> district school. <laughs> he, he named his, he named his son Hans. No, he named his son <laughs> John. His Come on. After the oh, man who man. killed his brother. <laughs> It'd be so good. You're right. The, that does make actually, more sense. <laughs> one of the things I love most about the third movie is that, um, that bomb is fake. You know, the it's like bomb. Yeah, yeah. It's like we'll 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 um we'll we'll do some crazy shit. We'll blow some shit up, but we're not going to kill kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or take yeah. a chance that we're going to kill kids, and that's awesome. Like that's really like a nice weird little like because that scene is so tense up until it starts spraying syrup. Yeah, and then it's like which is such a perfect way to diffuse the tension of that scene too. Yeah, it's good. It's 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 legitimately good filmmaking. It's also nice to see that the like Simon Gruber has a like a like a floor. Like he's he's only willing to do so many things to get what he wants. You know, like the whole thing ended up it, it is part of his plan anyway because it was supposed to jam up the you know the, it was supposed to put a bunch of decoy school buses out there and like jam up the the uh, cop the phone lines and all that stuff. Like there's a reason to it to, for for like the freak out like the public like he announces it over the radio I think. Um, so it's like a public thing, and he like there's a mo- like everything up till that point I think had just been him calling into the cops and like getting the cops to run around and get McLean to do all this bullshit, and then eventually he calls into the like a radio station and makes it a live announcement. So there's definitely like a like an escalation of stakes at that point, which I think is interesting for you know the midpoint in the season or, or wherever. But uh, you also you, know, it, uh, you you get to hear Jeremy Irons do a, a pretty awful southern accent for a second there. Oh God, that's so- right, I forgot about that. He's like, there's a bomb in a school. (laughs) It's, like, not good at all. Yeah. So, yeah, so Die Hard with a Vengeance 3. Die more often. Die Harderer. Die Hardest. Um, Why didn't they call it Die Hardest, idiots? Well, because they couldn't. Because Die Hard... 
So I think what happened was John McTiernan came back on board. So he, John McTiernan directed the first uh, episode, first movie. God. And then, then uh, Rennie Harlan, who also directed uh, like Cutthroat Island, directed the second one. Yeah. And then the third one was also directed by John McTiernan, who also made like Predator and The Hunt for Red October. And, you know, he's got a pretty good track record. Um, before he went to jail, he made a lot of amazing movies. Predator. Um, so essentially I think what happened was he like, he like left cause he didn't want to do Die Hard 2. I think he actually did Hunt for Red October instead. And then he came back for the third one and I went, what the fuck did you do? Um, <laughs> let me fix all this shit. So the, the name when he came on board was probably like Die Hard 3, Die Hardest. Right. And he was like, we're not doing that. It sounds ridiculous. And they're like, well, what's your idea? And then he said Die Hard with a Vengeance because he was mad about the previous He's movie. Like, so he gave it a bad name on purpose? You're telling he was me? vengeful. No, I'm saying he was vengeful. Oh, he came back with a vengeance. Yeah, I think he was vengeful. So he, it was a vengeance on the second movie. Oh, I see. That's my theory anyway. Are you making the story yeah, up? Yeah, I am. Totally <laughs> making it. It's a theory. I, I can't say that that happened for real. I think for... The season, like the, let's say this is the final season, right? Let's forget that there's a fourth and fifth movie of Die Hard, and this is the final season. How do you feel like we we sort of wrap the story of John McClane and, and Holly and the Gruber's, the Gruber Crime Syndicate? I guess I don't know. Like, is there like a a larger sort of season spanning enemy, like 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 antagonistic force, or is each one sort of discrete? You know how how do like how do they all sort of tie together? I don't know. I think you set up something um, like Simon was trying to accomplish. You know, there's like a flashback or like we set it up in the first season that Simon and Hans were trying to do together and that, that they never got to do. And Simon's trying to do that all throughout the third season. And then he dies, uh, you know, before he accomplished it. And it's sort of bittersweet and sad or something crazy like that. Like open a school for deaf kids or something like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was trying to open a school for deaf kids with the money that we find out later. No, I'm just saying, like you know, like they had an ideal that uh, uh, that they were trying to trying to uphold, and like he he tries to go back there at the last minute, like after becoming a thief, and I don't know, it's stupid. Never mind, I'm st- I'm stupid. Then you might even well taking off the third movie, like uh, I think Harrison brought it up before, is they were trying to buy a country, so like you could do something stupid where like he actually was trying to like steal all the money. To, like, free his people or whatever, or buy them a country, or buy them an island, or I whatever. Lo- do you know what I mean? Like, it was, like... I love th- that that's a thing that he thinks he can do. And then when he fails, like, his brother steps in and picks it up. Like, I love that it's just, like, well, which brother... Wait a minute, well, though. Wait. Is there a third brother you're talking about, Chris? What? I'd say maybe you could give it to Hans, or discover that was why Hans wanted the money in the first place. Like, when Simon comes in... Like oh, he, he shifted over to, to yeah, Simon like that to was, Hans. Yeah, it was Hans' dream. And then when Hans dies... When he falls out of the wind, the, the, the falls up down the uh, the skyscraper. Simon picks up the dream and runs with it two seasons later. I kind of like the idea that Simon, the older brother, were like when they're younger, sort of like is the idealistic one, and Hans wants to be like his older brother, and he sort of like picks up this thing that that Simon's into, and then over time, Hans just sort of falls away from that. Like I like Hans as a character who likes fine things. Like he's always like bragging about his like custom-made like suits from london and like he he sort of just abandons the ideals that his brother upheld 
and and you know, there's a connection there between those two brothers, and they love each other. But he sort of just walked away from the thing that Simon believes in. Like, I think that's an interesting thing to explore over the over the course of the three seasons, um, what their relationship is and was like before before Hans, you know, gets killed. Um, because I don't know, like it feels like it, the, the the it feels like things get bigger, like the story and the, and the relationship, but it gets bigger if we say Hans had the small time vision uh, that was very selfish, and Simon has a much larger all-encompassing vision that that takes multiple people into account and wants to you know is still a thief but he's taking he's doing it for a group of people and it feels like a a good progression of of characters you know over the over well, the what i'm seasons. saying is that like simon that was originally hans's ideal right that simon picks up from him once like he, he but hans hans corrupted himself and just became a thief right that was originally why he became a thief he corrupted himself by getting money. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Which is why he's always talking about all that shit. All his expensive suits and his education and all. And then, uh, once uh, w- once he died, like Simon, once things start going south, he sort of remembers that or whatever about Hans and wants to do that again, but it's too late for him to go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or something. Um I don't know. It doesn't have to be good. Uh, it just has to function. So that might suck, but I do. I do kind of <laughs> like the idea that, like, you know, it, it starts with like a, the first time you ever see them. They're talking about this shit, yeah. you know. And then the last time, like when he dies, he dies trying to accomplish that, but but he can't. Right. It's too late. Do yeah, it now. Yeah. It's too late. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's kind of it's kind of uh, tragic for both of them. Do is there is there a way we can loop in season two a little bit more to that? thread because i think that's a much more interesting thread than just like random paramilitary guy like is the paramilitary guy one of hans's dudes because hans has his own weird paramilitary faction do you know what i mean like i I, well they should they should be talking to like the dictator dude like the dictator dude should be simon and the dictator dude should be buddy buddy can you okay remind me about the dictator dude because i don't remember that that character he's like he's like a drug lord that the americans have extradited and that's the whole plot of the movie is that he's on a plane and the um these u.s um soldiers got paid to basically get him like spring him uh and he's coming into dulles airport for to face extradition i guess um and so yeah the drug he's like a drug lord okay I'm pretty sure they say they're going to fly him somewhere where he can't be extradited, and that's like the the stakes of the movie. Like they're gonna they're gonna have a plan to fly him somewhere else where he can't be extradited. They never, they never describe where that place is because I guess it, it's it just really Pablo Escobar, might, basically. Yeah, yeah. His name's they don't even change his name that much. It's Esperanza. <laughs> it's Pablo Esperanza. Like, I, I I don't know if they ever say his first name, but it's mm. just Esperanza. It's pretty close. But yeah, I, I, that does make he sense. Even looks yeah. like him. <laughs> So, so you were um, saying that they would the, the the drug lord and Simon and the Grubers would be in commun in communication. Yeah, because I think the second season has a whole section of it where uh, you see the drug lord being an asshole and and like getting caught while other shit's going on while John is like in L.A. with Holly and they're trying to figure out like the the what happened in Nakatomi at the end of the first season. You know, like they're dealing with that. Like while they're dealing with that, you're also cutting to Colombia or whatever other country you want to say, make up a, a country, wherever this guy is supposed to be from. I think they did make up a country for him to be from in the movie. I might be wrong about that, but uh, but like you, you cut to him, 
you know, doing bad shit and getting getting caught by the DEA and getting extradited. And, like, during that section, you sort of see him dealing with Simon in some capacity. Interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I just, you know, making sure that it feels like it's all one cohesive story because I just never felt like, see, like the, the second movie ever even bothered to... It doesn't really reference the first movie, you know, in any interesting way or expand upon that movie or those characters. It's almost like, I mean, it honestly, it is its own separate. It is like its own, not a diehard movie. It's just a completely separate movie that they then slapped a diehard sort of varnish over. Well, it's um, one thing that's kind of, uh, I don't know if we should have a whole conversation about it, but um, we're digging in a lot of good character-ish stuff and kind of giving that some, at least some reverence. Um, that would carry a season, but at the same time, like, when I think of Die Hard, and I think a lot of people think of Die Hard, they think of explosions and shit. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you might be able, uh, um, I'm just trying to really get a sense of, like, what, what the tone would be, because we're talking about all the character stuff, and not quite as much of the bombastic, um, you know, so, like, uh, IP... Yeah, the Die Hard shit. Worthy. Yeah. Yeah, the Die Hard shit. So, like, Carrying that through, like, and how we approach the rest of the the adaptation, I'm just curious, like, what you guys think? Do you, th- do you still think it's a big Die Hardy kind of thing? Do you still think it's a blood of explosions? Do you th- still think there's action set pieces in every episode? Yeah, absolutely. Huge? No, you're totally I'm taking that as that is definitely like, yeah, that's part of this. Like, I, I, we're talking about what fills that out. I think, yeah, like, the, you know, the the spaces between those things. But I think they're big action set pieces, and I do think that like. There's tension and, and um, everything that those movies have, this, this should have. There's wisecracks and, and just, you know. But it's, 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 there's also more to it. And, like, we talk about this. I'm talk, I think we're talking about this. In, it is getting a little dry. But I just, like, this is all underpinnings of what the, um, what's going on with the characters. We don't have to play it so straight. You know what I mean? Like, it would still be written to be funny. Like I'm imagining like if when I was pitching earlier that like John McClane's sitting on um like Jimmy Kimmel live or whatever and it's incredibly awkward. Like that's funny. Right. It's funny because it's awkward. And he's like he's miserable about it, but he also he also is wisecracking about it later. You know? Um and like people like his his buddies at the precinct are giving him shit over it, you know, and like it's funny because they're busting his balls. Yeah, no right. I, like, I think so that's definitely still be- I think Harrison, and I'm just looking for pace and stuff too, because some of the stuff we're talking about is like stretching stuff out a little bit. And I guess, I guess Harrison did say at the beginning of a more 24 like show. And well, like, I, I mean, like that's not what you could that, reconcile that's, the that's two. how I'd imagine you know, the first like season, but you know, like uh, there's tons of really good shows out there that have moments of, you know, action and, and any action oriented television show has moments of like down moments with characters establishing like emotional stakes and motivations and like, even 24 is like brainless as, as some of the episodes of that show where like there's a lot of moments of like characters, you know, establishing why they care or why, you know, who, who what their morals are and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I don't, Abs- I can't imagine we absolutely. wouldn't have that stuff. I just was thinking in terms of like timeline and stuff, because like, remember he is a cop. Like, so he's not, he's not apt to get involved as he, as he does. Like, just based on his base every day. Unless we change that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just trying to think of, like, what the seasons look like. Like, you know, and the way that they get away with it in the movies is it all takes place over, like, a 24-hour or less period. Like, one night, You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, that's what, I'm just trying to get a sense of, like, what 
some of the stuff we're talking about, like, is it, if it is this spaced out, you know, why is he involved? How does he get involved? Or, or are we spacing it out? You know, that's just kind of what I'm trying to get a sense for. I don't think we're spacing it out so much as, like, putting in the, uh, like, the, the runtime is filled up with more than just John McClane's perspective. Yes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and so, they do like, that we're in also. Too. Yeah. Right. But I mean, like, that's all plot most of the time. Like, there's very mm-hmm. little character stuff in that. You know? Like, you get a little bit of, like, when Carl or whatever wants to kill McClane, go after McClane and rip the building apart because uh, he killed his brother. Like, you kind of get a little bit of, like, he's sad, his brother is dead, and he wants to kill him, but, you know, it's still a plot thing that Hans is saying. Like, there's not much there. There's not much much on that. Like, Hans is a little more fleshed out than the rest of those guys. The rest of those guys are kind of character types. Right, yeah. Um, and so, like, I, we're, I'm just talking about, like, I think we all are just fleshing it out in a way that um, you just get more meat to to the action set pieces. And I think that also, like you can have moments between Carl and his brother executing plot stuff and see their relationship unfold. Like we don't have to have moments where they're sitting down and like fucking sharing tea and talking about their feelings. We can just have them working well together. Like they, like, you know, they're just a fucking cool team, like whatever. Like we can figure out ways to, and even like when he, when he goes to like cut the, the power lines and like his brother's trying to like, attach all the wires really quickly before he cuts them and like they're kind of antagonistic towards each other a little bit and like putting more of that stuff in the movie and just in executing the plot we, we the, the details of each scene we pop out a little bit more of their personality because there's just more time for execution of those things you know yeah yeah and the the, the, the movies have to move at a breakneck pace because they have to get so much in uh, and they do a good job I think well you know for the most part they do a good job of you know, those characterizations feeling like people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just fleshing that out more. Like the uh, the one gunman who uh, steals a bunch of candy. <laughs> it's just such a we- I always found that really weird because it's like this really tense moment when the cops are going to bust the door in. And the, the, the one guy who always plays the same, like, shitty uh, um, strongman. Uh, I can't remember the character, the actor's name, but he's like sitting there with this like AK assault rifle, ready to kill a bunch of cops. And then he looks down and sees like a candy shelf and like steals a bunch of candy. And it's just a weird, goofy moment. In the, I think it works fine. It's just, it's just an odd thing tonally to stick in the moment where like the cops are going to burst the door down. Um, and I, it always stuck out to me. It's where, really good. Which one is that in? In the first movie, when the cops are like getting ready and the FBI is getting ready to like breach and clear. And, he, and Hans is like, all right, guys, here they come. And, and every, all the bad guys are getting ready because they know it's coming because they're listening in on the radios. Uh, this one dude, uh, this, like, Asian actor, and he's got, like, long hair. And he always – in all those oh, 80s yeah, movies, yeah. he's, like, the same guy. Uh, and he, he's, like, getting ready. He's, like, hunkered down with his gun. He's, like, aiming at the door, the glass doors. And he's, like – you see his eyes, like, glance down. And, like, he grabs, like, a crunchy bar, like a, like a, like a Butterfinger or something. And just, like, steals it. It's such a weird moment. But, like – it's I don't know like it's it's totally weird but it's also just a little character moment you know like a little weird beat um, and I I like that kind of stuff. Well, it's also movie. like they do they do little stuff like that like the one guy who like the safe guy like the black guy he's like listening to music Theo. a lot and it's like, like yeah I can remember his name but they like uh, they do stuff like that that like kind of helps it make you realize like how they don't even have to say how kind of prepared these guys are you know what I mean yeah. like like 
Like, they, it's like, they're not even bothered. Like, this guy's eating a piece of candy. Yeah. And it seems goofy, but it also, like, helps to, like, push that kind of thing forward. They're, these guys, like, they're, yeah, per- they're prepared because for this. they're not yeah. worried. Right, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. 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 That movie's good. And our and our three-season show will be good. It's weird that we're only going to get three seasons, but, hey, television economics and television have changed. That's more than enough, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, some shows go for like eight seasons, and you're like, "What the fuck are you even trying to say anymore?" Three and done. So the how? And I haven't seen the last. Have you seen four and five? Either of you? I have. Either? I've seen them both. Yeah. Fuck no. Does Holly ever show back up? No, no. She never shows up after after the second movie. His kid shows up though, yeah. right? Or some stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, it's like a, the daughter is like super like. They get into a fucking adventure together. Fuck yeah! You. It's the in the fourth movie, <laughs> he's like calling her on the phone, and she's like super troubled and like getting into all sorts of nonsense, and she's getting arrested, and he has to like pull some strings to get her out of uh, jail or whatever. I, I don't think she's ever on screen. And then in the fifth movie, it's like father daughter like action movie team up. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask at the end of ours, do Dolly and John end up together? I would doubt. I would doubt it, but I'm just no, curious. I can't imagine how they would. You know, the end of the third movie is perfect. I don't know why they fucking continued. He just calls her. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. who knows what she says? But that's nice. Yep. It's a nice ending. Yep. I agree. It's just it leaves space for the viewer to like just let it be whatever they want it to be. Yeah, it's like it feels good without being ridiculous. Right. You know what I mean? Like, she could That's just never I, pick up the phone. She could fucking hang it up on him the second that he, you know, like, they could talk for an hour and she could decide that he's still an asshole. Uh, but, you know, it, it doesn't, it, 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 you don't need to see any of that. Right. Yeah. That's how we'll end our, our third season, on the phone. And to pay phone still, too. He, like, finds the one pay phone that still works. <laughs> Except it's not a quarter. He puts, like, a dollar fifty and change into it. <laughs> cell phone breaks in the uh, in the action. No, it's a hipster thing. It's a hipster thing. His and uh, it's it's like a you pay with Apple Pay now or whatever. <laughs> Fuck. You fucking, it's the only way to pay, oh or you God. use your thumbprint. Or he like he like his phone breaks, so he has to like borrow someone else's phone. He's like walking around like in his like you know towel from like being in the water, like asking everyone to borrow their phone so he can call Holly. And then he's like, "Fuck, I don't remember her number because it's just in my phone book." <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's our Die Hard episode, uh, a Die Hard TV show, and I, it was successful in that it did not have Die Hard with a Vengeance. I mean, Die Hard Four and Die Hard Five, which I didn't even remember the fucking titles. That's why I said Die Hard with a Vengeance. Is that not? Oh, that's that's three, right? That's three. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Live free or die hard, yeah. or die hard or die trying. Die hard or die trying. Yeah. Die hard or die trying was your. <laughs> that's a fucking joke I already made. Yeah, you made that joke. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Come back next week for more of that. <laughs> All right, yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. All right, that's this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at, at StoryCast and send any feedback to storycast at gmail.com. See ya. Story is Harrison Pink, Sean Ainsworth, and Chris Rebert, with music, as always, by Jared Emerson Johnson. Thanks for listening. Send them to gofuckyourself at yourmothershouse.com. Okay, well, this took a really aggressive <laughs> Don't turn. give out my email address on the fucking air, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really that's a hard one to get. I can't believe you snagged that uh, yourmomshouse.com uh, email address so quickly. 
Well, when you found yourmomshouse.com. Mm, that's true. In middle school. It's, it feels like a, it's like an overstock.com kind of website where you sell off all the stuff that's in your like closet from when you're eight years old, you know? It's, it's all like milk eBay. Porn. Oh, okay. Well, that's weird. That's a weird thing to have in your house, but in your mom's house, especially. It's just a place you go to the website and then somebody's like, do you want something to drink? <laughs> like, come in, I, come like, in. <laughs> you look famished. Do you have any laundry? Why, you, why are you here so late? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's fine. I'm glad you're here, but why are you here so late? I disagree late? with your life choices. But I still love you. I still love <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I wish you would just call me more often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, man, you know, that was too real. How hard is it, have, how hard is it just to have this tab open on your browser? Yeah, yeah. You haven't visited just me. Just even if it's in the background, that's fine. Yeah. You haven't visited me in like four months, the browser says uh-huh. when you log in. Oh, man. That's really that's rough. That's really real. It's too real. Uh, I don't want to visit this website anymore. 